Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist Podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, a trauma-informed spiritual mentor, certified meditation teacher, and human design expert. I'm empowering empaths in recovery and healing from narcissistic abuse, childhood trauma through human design, self-care, mindfulness advice, and expert interviews. Subscribe now. This is season five, episode 58, the dangerous impact of spiritual narcissism and religion on empaths. How to recognize the signs. And their conception of God to look like a narcissist. So there is like this sort of narcissist figurehead. And then there's all these power and control tactics and ideological narcissism so subtle that have taught us we can't trust ourselves or have been so controlling, then release to release any that are not helpful to us. And then we move into reconnecting to self and that our core self is good and our core state is good. Mm -hmm. And from there, we can reclaim every other part of us. Being aware of how evangelical religion has the potential to manipulate and diminish our self-worth is important for empaths so we can protect ourselves from becoming victims of gaslighting. Here's what to keep an eye out for. Our guest today, Catherine Coring, is going to help us, is going to share with us what to keep an eye out for and how to heal and, and find our way back to ourselves to break free from this spiritual abuse. Catherine is a licensed mental health counselor and self-trust coach. She helps ex-evangelicals learn to trust their desires and to reconnect to their own wisdom. She also helps people-pleasers learn to trust themselves and recenter themselves at the helm of their own lives. She loves this life-changing work of therapy and healing and feels so privileged that she can get to spend her days doing this. When she is not working... She is an avid podcast listener, book lover, paddleboard enthusiast, and toddler chaser. You can find all her links in the show notes. She is at Catherine Quirring on Instagram, and her website is cqcounseling.com. Hello, Catherine. Thank you for being here. How are you today? I'm so great, Raven. I'm so happy to be here with you. I am amazingly grateful that we're going to be talking about a difficult topic. I think it's still, I struggle with kind of clearing out that throat chakra to not feel that, like that guilt and that pullback. Right. And you're going to help us with that because you counsel all of us through this kind of religious uh, oppression and through that conditioning of guilt. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It can be so pervasive, especially when you grow up in it. Yeah, I think especially when it's the childhood conditioning, it is like, right. you're right. It, pervasive is a great word. It's like literally in all the cells of my body. <laughs> like, oh. yeah. And there's nothing wrong with going to church and loving a right. God or being right. part of a religion. It's just right. that toxicity that takes over some churches that right. really is covert narcissism at its core. And it doesn't give right. you that autonomy. I don't know. Right, I'm exactly. sure you can relate, right? And all of our listeners who have experienced this religious authoritarianism. Yes. Right. So I've actually been conceptualizing 
what those different quadrants and what that looks like from what we've come from and what we're going towards, right? And so there's a lot of language around high control environments versus low control environments, which I think is really helpful in understanding like the the times when it's been toxic is the times when it's been high control environments. And I even want to shift that. So we can talk more about that, but shifting that from like, what does it look like to have low consent in those high control environments versus high consent and respect, right? So the places that we have low consent and respect for the other person, we end up with paternalism if it's warm and authoritarianism if it's not. And what we want to move to is the high consent. So it's either a focus on self-acceptance, maybe it's the warmer part, and the the less connected or warm part is self-autonomy, right? That we need both of those, but at different times, we may feel like we need more of one or the other, right? And yeah. moving out of that authoritarian dominion, kind of at the very best paternalism, patronizing yeah. kind of space. I mean, it's just like the same process of healing from a narcissist, like let's say in a a romantic relationship, you go through all these processes of grief. You go through this like angry and you have empowered and you leave and then you feel sad and you miss them and then you're grieving and then you get angry again and then you start to get angry at the system and your childhood (laughs) (laughs) and all that. It's the same process. Yeah. 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 Uh Yeah. So talk us through what are some of these ways that we can release ourselves. Oh, maybe first start recognizing. Let, let's take a look at the signs first because maybe right. you're kind of aware but you don't quite know. Right. So when I recently moved back to the town I grew up in a few years ago and so I was kind of like, okay, I'm facing a lot of these triggers and I need to figure out why this is still bothering me. Like what are these subtle things underneath what I'm experiencing that is creating this really strong reaction inside. And that's kind of what led me to explore this on a deep level. And what I've found is there's so many subtle layers of power and control, just like a narcissist would use, but without the centralized figure of a narcissist on top. So it's this cultural covert narcissism in the whole religious culture that Mm. sets up God and their conception of God to look like a narcissist. So there is like this sort of narcissist figurehead. And then there's all these power and control tactics and ideological narcissism. I heard Steve Hassan use that term and I really like it, that there's this ideological sense of narcissism around it. So there's so many like very subtle power and control tactics, right? Just like it's really hard to see with a person who has covert narcissistic features that it's hard to label them, right? And you start with how does it feel inside? Just like you do with how do I know this is narcissism, right? How do I know I've been abused by narcissists? It's how you feel inside. And so that's Mm -hmm. the place that I start. And I have a checklist for that that your listeners can get for free. That's like, this is how it made me feel inside. So I felt trapped. I felt confined. I felt stifled. I felt constantly guilty. I felt like I didn't have enough choice. All of these kind of things that other, if I explain it out loud, it doesn't seem as big as it feels inside, right? Why does everybody else seem okay? This confusion of it seems okay for other people, but I'm really suffering inside. These, or it's way, I realize how bad it was once I left, right? When in it, I'm just in survival mode. There's so many of these 
common layers of that. Yeah. And then moving to, okay, here are the scenarios we experienced and the messages we received. What are the actual power and control tactics that go with that? So I have that specifically in my course. And there's a sneak peek of that because I think that just helps shine the light on like what the world is going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's so powerful. And when you were talking about that, it always, that guilt always goes back to like this higher being, like they have warped. I always say like Jesus is rolling in his grave. They have warped yes. who, like his teachings and what he yes. was about. I mean, he was an activist. Yes. He was not like right. this person exactly. who was helping you. And then right. you have like, gosh, and then it's so complex. And you have like the it's, God deity part, right? Like the father mixed right. in with the Old Testament. They have like literally right. these two ideological right. narcissistic figures that right. control your every action and every move to make sure that you are like not going to hell essentially, which is the whole point right. of the control of how you live. And, right. and then it spills over to controlling other people and how they should live. And that's yes. where it gets narcissistic is controlling other people. Right. It's just exactly. Okay. There's so much <laughs> control. Yeah. So much. Yeah. And I think because it doesn't always show up in the way that like smaller cults do with this one charismatic leader, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's more pervasive in the culture. It can be like, oh, well, it's not like that, right? It's not actually that kind of a cult, but it is very cult-like, uh, right? There's so many features that are similar kind of emotional expression is suppressed and certain behaviors are suppressed, certain like ideologies, right? And ability to critically think are suppressed. And then your relationship to the outside world, like you were saying that us, them mentality, yeah. right? Is like, yeah. Oh gosh, even I if you're phrase. The, the phrase in the world, but not of it. Oh my gosh. I was just going to say that. Yeah. That crushed me. That phrase. Yes. I hated that because then yeah. you are still able to be out. You don't have to be completely isolated, right? But yeah. you can never be like them. You never have yes. the space to listen to or take seriously anything anyone else says because it's just dismissed as worldly. It's dismissed as like, well, they're lost. They don't know, right? I have the true knowledge. I know what's right. Ooh, that's such a narcissistic <laughs> phrase too. Yes. They're lost. They don't know. Yes. yes. Rather right. than everyone having a different path, it's everyone else has the wrong path. It's very yeah. arrogant and very dangerous. Yes. And that's what I oh think God. we're seeing so much of in our culture these days, right? And that yeah. it really is the fruition of this just becoming more overt when before it was maybe more covert, right? But this like yeah. very paternalistic at its best, right? Like I know what's best for you. Let me be your authority. I'm going to lead you yeah. in the right way because you can't trust yourself. All these messages of you can't trust your internal cues or yourself. They're just more evidence that you're sinful, right? <laughs> Instead of like it's human experience. <laughs> Yeah. And that is my guide to what is safe and where I need to set boundaries that is weaponized in a sense, right? And taken away from you. It is. And you specifically experienced evangelical. I, it's mm -hmm. interesting. I was raised in like two kind of households. So half of it was evangelical and the other half was assemblies of God. Do mm -hmm. you feel like there's a certain Christian religion denomination that is more dangerous than others? What's your take on that? I think it depends on how high control uh, the individual denomination or congregation is. So mm -hmm. it, the 
doctrines can be one thing. So there's so many aspects of Christianity, right? There's the doctrines, there's the community life, there's the cultural thing, there's the identity piece. So I think it really can vary, right? There are certain denominations that hold different doctrines that can be really unhelpful. But like, for example, I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church and there was a lot of warmth and love and caring, but there were also there was also this like really high control about behaviors and doctrines and emotions. But it was less controlling Using. than other ones that I saw that were like, well, you can only read the King James Bible and you have to, women can only wear skirts. Like all of these like extra rules that I was like, well, we're a lot more moderate than that, right? And then I met my husband who is Presbyterian. And so they they have all the doctrine of like internal depravity and all of this like original sin. But the way that they've interpreted that and the way they're living it out now is with a lot more freedom. And so that the PCUSA denomination in general tends to be a lot less oppressive, even though there's still some of these doctrines. So I think it really depends on the setting, unfortunately. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. a lot of them just are naive to the fact that they're adopting this very toxic doctrine. Like just, it's right. just, right. they're trying to do their best and I get that, right? And that's why there's no judgment. Like they're doing their best. They definitely want to secure that they're not going to hell. And so they right. buy into these, but then... Right. I I like to think about it in terms of intent and impact, right? So when Mm -hmm. you have an individual narcissist, the intent and the impact are both to harm you, to use you, to make you their source, right? With cultural narcissism in religious settings, the intent of the people can be good, right? They really want to love you. They really want to save you, but they're in this system that says this is the way to do it. And so it ends up the impact is so harmful. I just watched the documentary on Netflix Pray Away about conversion therapy for LGBTQ oh, people. LGBTQ. And yes, it was incredible. And one of the things that stood out to me is when one of these conversion therapy organizations actually sit down and listen to the impact that they had on people. They were like, oh, we can't do this anymore. Our intentions were good, but the impact was so devastatingly harmful that they disbanded it, right? Like anytime there is yeah. space to actually listen, that is where. There's openness and healing as opposed to this kind of narcissistic, high control environment. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, before we get into our commercial break, I just have to ask you a random question. What Mm -hmm. is the book that's on your avid book lover? You say, what's the book on your nightstand lately? Living Resistance by Caitlin Curtis. It just came out. I read her book Native, which was incredible. And I just got this one in the mail. So I'm so excited to read it. Oh, I love that. I can't wait to, to check that out. Yeah. So back into this topic, I wanted to ask you, what, what was your awakening from realizing that you didn't really have autonomy and you felt like being part of this church system, or I guess religion, wasn't for you? Yeah, it was definitely a process. So my first step was when I went to college. I never went back to a Southern Baptist church because I knew that did not fit for me but I was in other conservative denominations, but it felt like this next step of opening. There's other ways of being. There's other ways of knowing God. There's, it felt like more space. And then that kind of gradually kept going. And then when I went to grad school for clinical psychology and I started therapy and I started understanding more about how humans work and emotions work, I learned that I was codependent with my mom and with God. And so that gave me a lens for that. So I started shifting that in my relationship with God and with religion. And so I had a lot more space. I had space to be angry. I had space to be who I was. 
and didn't have that same kind of anxiety and codependency in my relationship. And then I met my husband who was in more progressive denominations. And that gave me the space to say, oh, I don't have to be suspicious of them. They love God too. (laughs) So I was able to move into that. And then when we moved back to my hometown a few years ago, and I was confronted with all of the like Southern religious cultural kind of stuff that I was surrounded with growing up, there were so many triggers. And I was like, okay, it's time to deal with the triggers where before I felt like I had enough space for myself. So I really started digging into that, this, and that's when like just the whole house of cards came down. (laughs) basically. Uh, I love uh, that the triggers were were it because that's usually it, right? For all of us, like the triggers of PTSD from this relationship. It's like, never more. I'm not going to. And you have your biggest breakthroughs through that. Right. For me, it's the Christianese and the the Christian songs. Like I could not handle that. Like cannot listen to Christian radio stations. It drives me bonkers. It's like brainwashing. It it is. It absolutely (laughs) is. And then I did an antipressive therapist course, and that was like, it's all over. No more hierarchical God for me. No more authoritarian God. Like, I just gave me another lens to say this is like white supremacy in religious form. And I can't, I can't do that. I could still be like on the fringes at Christian adjacent. I could be with Jesus, antipressive figure, and I may be a different conception of God. But like, I, that's what kind of made me move pretty far away from specific beliefs and like church settings that I had had before. And how your husband was with you on this deeper trigger journey, how, how did it affect him or how did that go with your relationship? Um, he is so accepting and so non-judgmental that like he's able to hold where he is and I can be where I am and it's fine. I mean, he's actually a PCUSA pastor. Like I'm... <laughs> So I'm in church every week with my kids and I'm deconstructing and just trying to make sure they have perspective to make choices for themselves. And there's a lot of space in PCUSA churches to be able to question and think whatever you want to think and a lot of service. And so that's okay for me. That's awesome. I love that that is an example because a lot of us can take, like for me, can take the, I feel feel like I've come back to the middle, but can take the extreme road, right? Right. You leave, you're like, I'm going to become a witch or a whatever. Yeah. Like all the things you were like scared away from doing because you were going to go to hell. And then you're like, well, I don't really believe that anymore. So I'm just going to do it. But there's a balance in the middle of right. like being able to, because the word God and Jesus for a long time triggered me, right? Mm-hmm. Any scripture that was said triggered me because like you yeah. said, it was, it was that manipulation and that painting of that divine energy distorted down into a narcissistic man ideology. And then I was able to find my way back into the middle and see that that, that's not really the case. Like that's not reality. That's just what they painted for me. And so I get to break through that narrative. Yeah. And I love that you're doing that and still supporting your husband, going to church and not being like super rebellious and hateful. (laughs) Yeah. I think we each have, our own layers of that, that we do at different times, right? So I had to go through the emotional piece first with a lot of really good IFS therapy. And then Mm. I was able to reconnect to my body and then examine like the head, the doctrines. Uh, So I think just knowing like that may be in different order for different people or different priorities around that. In addition, I like to conceptualize it as, so I started out in this codependent relationship with God. 
And then Mm -hmm. I shifted over to an avoidant relationship with God, even though I was Mm -hmm. still in church settings, I didn't have much connection there and that was safer. And then now I'm coming back to, I have a secure relationship with myself. That is my goal. And then from there, I can safely connect to the divine when and how I want that feels safe and I can explore who actually is this divine creator being. Yeah, exactly. And it's so expansive. And that's the thing is like, we can't comprehend. And I know they teach you in the church too, like we can't comprehend God's ways, but yet they try and they'll tell you how God's ways is. Right. But it's, it's beyond like what we can comprehend. It's right. It's right. And I think bigger. Some denominations and churches are better at embracing mystery, right? As a way of Mm -hmm. holding uncertainty in a way that we can process right? Versus, okay, the uncertainty is uncomfortable. So we go to certainty, right? And that is what can be so toxic is that controlling certainty, right? Versus, okay, we can go to mystery and wonder and like spaciousness here. Yeah. And I see that parallel with even just people and personality. Some people can handle not having certain ideas being so solid and being able to move through the, the ethers of mystery. And others can't handle it all. They're like, nope, that right. does not exist. I can't handle that. So it's it's the same because it's, yeah. the structure is created by a person, by a man. What I usually do for when I have clients that are really black and white like that is I say, well, let's think about different categories, right? Instead of a spectrum, if a gray is too hard, we're going to add some more categories in here. So it's not just this these two extreme categories, but we have some more in between that you can choose from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. So now our listeners, dear empaths, you're like, oh, crap, I am codependent or I like this is all making sense now of why I feel triggered when I go back to my hometown or when I'm forced to go to church with my family or not forced, but feel guilty to go to church with my family. There's all these different things now. So what do we do with this, this knowledge? Like, how do they set themselves free mentally from the guilt of that narrative? Yeah. So the the process that I've created, the framework I've created is. One, recognizing it, so reflecting on what that means. What are these messages that have been so subtle but have taught us we can't trust ourselves or have been so controlling? Then release, to release any that are not helpful to us. And then we move into reconnecting to self and that our core self is good and our core state is good. And from there, (laughs) we can reclaim every other part of us. So the parts that we distance ourselves from that we couldn't be full and wild and sexual and or whatever those things are, right? As well as we can reclaim and befriend the parts of us that were internal task matchers and controllers and parts that helped us survive in that culture, right? We can befriend them and they can release those jobs and become a helpful part of our system too. So there's kind of two parts of reclaiming. And then being able to reemerge is like whole and grounded and trusting yourself. And that's a continual kind of process, right? But as soon as you encounter something else, you need to reflect on, reflect, release, reconnect, reclaim, and reemerge. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to you said mentioned something about IFS therapy. Is that, what is that? Internal family systems. So that's my kind of ground point and framework for everything. I encountered it really deep dived into it a few years ago. And that's been my most helpful framework of understanding how we work as humans and how the world works. It's kind of 
a philosophy of life as well as a, like a therapeutic modality. And it's so helpful because instead of saying these parts of me are evil or bad habits that I just need to get rid of, we're saying they're parts of us that got burdened by trying to survive in this world or this system or whatever it is, right? This family structure, whatever it was that was harmful yeah. that we were trying to survive in, right? Even just our productivity culture. And we get to reclaim and unburden those parts. And then they naturally have good intentions for us. And they were naturally become a helpful part of our system and part of our team. And the other amazing thing about it is that we have this core self. So you can call that our soul, our highest, wisest self, our source, like whatever name you have for that, that naturally has compassion, curiosity, creativity, connectedness, courage, choice, so many amazing qualities that you don't have to strive for. Just as soon as you take care of yourself, they're there. And so you get to be your own greatest ally. And from there, you are naturally, when you're in that space and connected to yourself and securely attached to yourself, you're naturally connected and empathetic towards other people in a way that feels safe and protected, right? Yeah. Where we often have like young, vulnerable parts of us that are really, really empathic, but they can get hurt really easily and they need a lot of protection to be safe and free in our systems, right? But our core self also gives us some of that ability to be there. Mm, okay, I love that. And that's it. I feel like that's what Jesus was trying to say. Yes. When the Pharisees called him out to be like a blasphemy and, and calling him a deity because he was just saying like, I am that I am. Like I am... Like the universe is within me, divine source is yeah. within me, and is it is within you, and I feel secure right. and safe within myself, and yes. I don't need to go and give right. money and pray whatever times a day, whatever time of day, da da da, to right. be connected to that. It is already within me just because I breathe, and like right. I think that's what he was trying to say, but it got yes. so like it wasn't they weren't ready, <laughs> they weren't right. ready for his right. amazing message. Right, his, I mean they yeah. killed him. <laughs> And then they killed him, just like all the other th the thieves and right. traitors of the Roman. And the yep. poor, poor Roman emperor was like, I really don't want to because he didn't do anything wrong. But OK, like <laughs> these Pharisees have so much control over me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is the thing. That is the true martyr of that the message. But it is within you. And that's what we always talk about on this podcast. Your power against the narcissist to get over the narcissist yes. to... Right break through your childhood trauma. Right. I mean, to even be able to do something and have confidence within yourself, it is within you. Yeah. So then what are some, we talked about that, FSF therapy, we talked about how to break that pervasive guilt, which was knowing within yourself. Right. Part. And I want to acknowledge too, there's parts of you that inside might still be trying to make you feel guilty because they think that's the only way to keep you safe because that's what they yeah. learned when you were in the system, right? So the way to specifically help those parts and break that is not to try to shove that out of your life, is to befriend that part of you that thinks it's still important to make you feel guilty, right? And you could say, yeah. is that actually working? What are you trying to achieve for me here? What are you afraid of if I don't feel guilty, right? And then you can address those fears and be like, actually, I in my core self, can be the trusted authority, can be the trusted person to take care of you. You don't have to 
bring guilt into my system to do that. Could you work with me and trust me enough and help me be a part of the team to accomplish what's really important here, right? What's under the behavior of bringing the guilt into my system. And then it can let it go. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's really powerful because that's exactly what the ego has. The ego has fear. The conditioning is also from fear. I mean, the whole system is kind of created in fear to make sure that we can try and ensure that we're not going to burn in hell and whoever created that idea. Right. I, don't, I don't know who, but it's like perpetuated. And so it is, it's just like, I have you. It's almost like that. Inner, it is that inner child work. I have you. I got you. It's okay. Right. Thank you. Right. But it's okay. Yeah. Right. That's okay. definitely part of the tools in the healing process. So powerful. So, okay, we've got that. We understand. But what about like we go to church or we, whatever happens, like we're in there. We have these ideas that pop up. Like what are some things to keep an eye out for? in your church? Because now maybe you, our listeners are going to enter and be suspicious. Like what can right. they look out right. for that's healthy and not healthy? Right. So I think any spiritual setting, and I want to acknowledge that, I think sometimes when people are coming out of really controlling or narcissistic religious systems, and then they look for an alternate spirituality, that sometimes there's also the same kind of power and control in narcissistic leaders, right? And if you're like, oh, well, that feels familiar. You just enter into this new thing that has freer language around it, but then you end up in the same kind of hurt and rescue, love bombing, devaluing kind of pattern. So being aware of what does that feel like in my body is the most important, right? First kind of thing. If this feels bad in my body, there's something here I need to address. And then look out for, is this a high control environment? Are they trying to police or be aware of or control my behaviors, my thoughts, my feelings, my critical thinking in some way? Or is it a space that values questions and exploration and being my authentic self and asking whatever questions I need to ask and being accepted and having enough autonomy for myself no matter what they're teaching, right? So I think those are the most important things to look out for. Mm, so important pretty much in every relationship every environment and it takes right. discernment to be able to tap into that and understand does right. this feel so right reclaiming your yourself and your intuition and your gut instincts because that is your your biggest ally in yeah. finding and creating safety for yourself and knowing when something is dangerous and not talking yourself out of it because overtly it seems okay right to be like if and my body tells me this is not it. safe yeah, yeah, then it's not good yeah. for me. Yeah. Now, how do you tap into your intuition? What's your favorite way? Oh, I, I just kind of live aware of my parts and my core self now that as long as I'm aware of and connected to that, I feel at peace and in connection with my intuition. Yeah, I, I knew what that felt like as a young kid. And then when that when I was told that was wrong and I kind of started shutting that off. And so it just mm. took permission to kind of mm. get back to that and unburden any parts that felt like that was unsafe. In your body, where was it in your gut? Like, did your gut sink or shake or yes. was it your heart? Both. All of the above. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking back to mine as well. Like, what did I feel? Yeah. Yeah. But I was so young. I mean, you were too. Did you grow in? You were born into it? Yep. 
Yeah. So I think I feel it now more as an adult, but I can't really recall how I felt as a, as a child mm-hmm. because just it, it, yeah. it was, right? Right. Like I remember a sense of feeling free, but there was enough culture around that I remember like these certain markers of kind of wounding moments of like, oh no, I can hurt someone without meaning to. That was a big moment for me when I was in second grade. But now I understand it's because of the culture around me that taught me you can't trust yourself, right? So I, was, mm. I learned to manage myself and I dissociated from myself at that point. I just watched myself. I was not in my body from that point forward. And then the next year was when I prayed the salvation prayer and I was told the way that you're connecting with God is not safe. You have to pray this prayer because you're naturally evil and you're going to go to hell. And that shifted a whole lot. Of like, okay, I have to be this perfect, rigid, good Christian and I have to manage that. And I can't connect to the natural goodness inside of me. And so it's been a process of reclaiming. I remember what that felt like and I can Mm -hmm. go back to that. I don't know that I ever felt what it felt to be fully like erotically sexually human. So that's something I've had to develop as I've Mm -hmm. been coming back to my body as an adult Mm -hmm. because I only had child parts I was living out of really rigidly. Yeah. Yeah. That is a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, when that came up too, let's let's talk about this just because you were talking and I was thinking about it still happens like public schools. My daughters go and there's this families go to churches and there's this one girl. We strongly do, like we don't go to church and we we don't even really give our children a label of what they are. But I'm like, if you have to say right. something, just say you're Buddhist. Like, I don't know. Just <laughs> whatever. <laughs> the divine is all around us. and People right. don't understand that. So tell them you're Buddhist. And so this one girl said, oh, you don't believe in God? You're going to hell. And my daughter came back home. She's seven. She's like, she said that. And she didn't think it was true. She was just mad that she said that. She's like, that's so wrong. Like, that's not right. Like, why did she say that? So how do we address that with the next generations? Like, ooh, that's a pervasive ideology there. But so many right. kids say that at that age because they just say what's on their mind and they regurgitate what they're learning at home right. and church. Right. I mean, it's at least more honest, right, than this like treating someone like a project and befriending them just to save them, which you start doing in your teenage years if you're in that system. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's not because you can't it's actually be vulnerable with them. That would be being in the world. <laughs> you can't actually be their friend. Yeah. I'm sure there's a few of those in her class too. She doesn't know yet. Right. I think just having compassion for how does that make you feel, right? And what is that like to see her say those hurtful things and believe them, right? And to know that someone's feeling that way. And how do you like be able to set boundaries for yourself and also have compassion for where she's coming from? But to be like, yeah, I don't need to be exposed to that. Or what do you want to say back to her, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, that really ties into what our children experience is what we experienced. And sometimes, depending on where we are in our healing journey, it's what we're experiencing right now as adults. I mean, we interact with a lot of adult children in the world. Yes, we do. <laughs> what do I say to this crazy comment this person just said to me? Hmm. <laughs> and that's it, is having compassion. Like, I feel really in your head, like, I feel really sorry that you believe that intense black and white lie. Right. Yeah. I'm going to still hold space for you with love, but that's not my or truth. Or I don't even have to hold space for them, right? Yeah. 
and I don't have to see things from their perspective because I think that can be so harmful for empathetic people, yeah. right? Is yeah. that I have to look at what they think before I think what I think. I'm not allowed to be mean back. I'm not allowed to set really strict boundaries back, right? Your daughter might want to say, that really hurt me. And I don't want you to ever yeah. say that to me again, yeah. right? That's really helpful feedback for that person that the impact, even though their intent might have been good, the impact was really harmful. <laughs> Yes. And that goes back to that topic we were talking about before about the the intent of all of these religious things to convert the people they think are down going on a wrong path right. because they are queer right. or they want to be trans. Like that is their path. And that's a beautiful right. path. So right. why you are impacting them right. very negatively right. with it, just right. as you're impacting people with this fear mongering of you're going to go to hell. Like, right. I love that. Yeah. You can say to them, that was really hurtful don't say that to me again. And then you yeah. can, if they keep, then maybe they get covert, then you boundaries, right? Our right. hot topic we always talk about, right? Just talk to them less. Don't talk to them at all. Right. They don't respect that boundary. I love that. Right. Yeah. So right. good. And then she could direct that girl to be like, if you want to ask me questions about what I believe, I will tell you. Right. If they're not belittling questions, right. If they're actually open conversation, but Otherwise, I'm not engaging with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, I'm not going down that dark, dark path of conversation. Right. Yeah. That's so perfect. So share with us how you help your clients in your work. And so I have a, a bunch of different ways. So at IFS, like I mentioned, permeates everything that yeah. befriending our parts and okay. coming home to ourselves. And I have specific courses that address different topics. So I have one that's specifically for covert narcissism and religious culture. And then I have a um, course about how to trust yourself and go through that process of reflect, release, reconnect, reclaim, and reemerge. And there's a community that goes with that and group coaching that goes with that. And then I also do one-on-one -on -one therapy and coaching as well. Mm. Beautiful. And so the link will be in the show notes for that. There was something that they could grab for free, correct? Was it the, the checklist? Yes, there's the checklist. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we'll put that in the show notes too. So that is the starting point of how did it feel for me being a religious culture? And there's so many similarities to how it feels to be abused by a narcissist. Yeah, that's so important. I really appreciate your work. I know it's like a a giant big shoes to fill, but it's so important to start this movement, even like you are in a church here, your husband is a pastor within the church because right. there is good intention and there is love right. and light there. There's just right. this poison that's been there for centuries right. that needs to be eradicated. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. Thank you right. so much. Anything else last final, like most, let me think about, Huh. When you were being triggered, what is the one like piece of advice that you wished you heard that you can tell our impasse during their moments of feeling triggered, maybe from the the most helpful thing for me at this point is saying it's not about me. Mm. It's not about me. It's not about me. I'm okay. Right? It's about this other person or this other system and what they're trying to put on me. That's it. Yeah, yeah. thank you. That's definitely the game changer for me, too. It's, yeah. it's not a my problem. It's a their problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for being here. And all the links to your website, I've linked in the show notes, as well as your Instagram. Where do you like to connect with people? I spend most of my time on my email list and the blogs. I'm on Instagram a little bit. So you can definitely connect with me there, but I don't post there as often as I do my emails because that lets me go deep instead of fast is what I say. <laughs> yeah, I know. Emails yeah. is so much better. It's like love letters versus like a... Yes five second voice memo on your text message. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you again so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Raven. I really appreciate it. It's a privilege. Yeah. I appreciate you. Well, what an incredible conversation yet again from an amazing guest. Catherine shared with us so many beautiful takeaways. We connected in very similar situations of our upbringing, as I'm sure you have as well, dear empath. She shared with us on how to connect with our body, that you are your temple inside. Whatever you want to call it, God, divine source resides within you. And whatever the church or the culture labels it, that's just their label. It isn't really the truth and the fact. So making sure that you can still find that sacred space within yourself, even within the church walls of connecting to your divine source, which is beyond greater than any man can construct and define in their own archetype as a God. And the two powerful signs of covert narcissism in a relationship or in a culture, church, or family is number one, you will feel it is not right in your body and their words will convince you otherwise. And number two, they control your environment. You are gaslit into making sure that you do and say and act and think and go along with how they approve to control you. And she shared with us the last point is to tap into your intuition by feeling into your body, by knowing who you truly are. And in my perspective, you can only find that out by taking time with yourself, taking time with yourself in nature. That's where I truly connect with the divine and source is in nature, finding time in meditation, quiet time, journaling, in the bath even. These are the times where you can connect and listen to your body. And the stronger you have that connection, the stronger you become in repelling and guarding against the lies and the gaslighting of narcissism. I am so stoked. Had two amazing coaching calls this week and just wanted to put it out to the universe. If anyone else needs to talk one-on-one -on -one about their situation or get your human design chart read, I am happy and willing to listen and guide you. If you wish to heal and explore the impact your religious system had on you, then Catherine is offering a discount to you special empath listeners, a discount off of her Covert Narcissism in Religious Culture course. You will learn how covert narcissism can help you understand your religious trauma, how you can recognize manipulative tactics so that you can release yourself from their influence, and how you can find safe spaces that extend acceptance and autonomy to you. Use coupon code EMPATH, E-M-P-A-T-H, for $25 off. Grab your coupon 
and discount on this course in the link in the show notes. If you want personal help in gaining clarity, your authentic power back, and healing to be rid of the narcissist for good, join our empath community and receive sparkle reminder inspiration every Saturday and strategies to heal from narcissist abuse. Plus, get your free human design chart summary and free 20-minute support call with me. As soon as you're in, I'll gift you your human design reading with your type, strategy, and inner authority. So join now and get your reading within 24 hours. I'm so grateful for you listening finding the show and sharing it with your friends. It would give a great boost in the heart-centered algorithm to rate and review this podcast if you are enjoying it. Take a screenshot, share it on your socials, share it in a text message to a friend that you know right now needs to be pulled out of the quicksand. And remember, always keep your unique light shining. Time I'm fading fast, I just wanna make it last Try to let go of the past, I close my eyes, embrace the blast Sleepless nights and headaches stack, restlessness to hell and back What's my purpose, what do I grab? A slippery surface, a heart attack And sometimes you just gotta believe There's something that'll give you relief There's something that'll have what you need what you need we're broken it's tragic we're not all elastic but maybe there's magic believe